0: Welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. I'm your host, Amber. My vision for this podcast is to showcase experts in the keto carnivore community, as well as those who have compelling stories that inspire and give others hope. My wish is that no one has to suffer like I did. If you find value in this podcast, please consider subscribing and hitting that notification button. And as always, feel free to share. Thank you so much for your support. Hi, I'm Amber, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today we have a special guest with us, Dr. Stephanie Rimka. She is a chiropractor out of Atlanta. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, Amber. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to pick your brain. But first of all, let's kind of get uh, some background info on you. I want to hear a little bit about your health journey and also your professional journey. Like, How did you end up as a chiropractor, and what are you
1: doing now? Well, that's a great question. And it's interesting, you know, I never like to tell the story where really everything is in the storytelling. Uh, The brain loves stories. And I usually sit around and go, why does anybody care? Right? Because as a clinician, when you're seeing patients, I don't ever tell them about me. I just sit and and listen and receive and help, right? So when I get interviewed, I'm like, oh, my story. Well, my my health story, my journey actually is just intimately interconnected intertwined with why I do what I do uh, and how I came to be in the holistic field versus the traditional uh, Western medical field. So um, I always wanted to be a doctor. That was pretty much um, you would ask me at three years old, what are you going to do when you grow up and be a doctor? And so it was just something I always knew I wanted to help. And I was kind of debating between animals and people because I liked animals a whole lot more. I thought, (laughs) that's a smarter thing um what i saw as a child and i actually <laughs> was really dealing with the decision um i knew the md would give me more respect like everybody mm-hmm. likes them they you know mm-hmm. have a big white coat syndrome like i could be the god mm-hmm. right yep i would finally you know i grew up uh incredibly poor um often welfare my whole life with a father in prison and a mom working you know three side hustle jobs trying to feed four children okay so just wow. give you an idea so that was this, this dream of like, I will get to college, I will become a physician and I will save the family. Okay. Just so you give an idea. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to really be a vet though, but I really couldn't handle animals dying. Uh-huh. So that made me cry too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I said, well. me too?" And I was like, yeah, people are fine. So there was a big, like in college where I ended up getting really sick. So like a lot of people that go to college, um, I was uh, really smart and really great, all these scholarships. So I was on that pre-med track, doing really, really well, 4.0 student in the, you know, pre-med um, in the best biology the school in the state of Michigan. Um, no problems, this was not a big deal. But going off to college and learning some things, I also was playing college sports. I also walked on to the soccer team as well. and. I became a vegetarian and I didn't think about it at the time, but it's taken many, many years to make this correlation and it's important. I became a vegetarian and by my sophomore, well, by my sophomore year, I had gained, uh, uh 50, 60 pounds. I was incredibly tired. My hair was falling out. Um, I couldn't think anymore. I remember, Uh, My boyfriend came in at the time into my room and I had texted or not texted. I remember I called him or whatever. Yeah, look at that text. I wasn't texting 25 years ago. Um, Told him to come bring me some food from the Keller so you could buy some food because I I had slept all the way through and missed dinner because I just couldn't get out of bed sometimes 18 hours a day. I was still trying to work out at this time because... (laughs) you know, I'm still trying to do what you're told to do like what's happening to my body, um, what's happening. And he walked in and I remember I was doing a chemistry thing, a problem. And I couldn't remember what was five times five or something like that. A very simple multiplication moment. And he looked and I just, I had to use my calculator and I just looked at him which probably looked like sheer terror. And I started crying and it was just, and he was like, and I was very smart. This is what I counted on. I had a photographic memory. I mean, this was just what I, this is what I relied on, you know, and it was gone, not to mention the weight and the fatigue. So I started like this journey of going to doctor after doctor in the, in the health center. And, and it was months and months and months of lab tests and on and on. And even had to drop a class where I was like, I can't do my full load. And I I was on a full scholarship and you can't really drop and and have your grades change or you'll Mm. lose money. So I was really, really, really struggling. And it was actually a girlfriend of mine who said to me on the phone, have they checked your thyroid? And I was like, I don't know, they check things all the time. She's like, I have a thyroid problem. And this sounds exactly like what I went through and I'm on medication a few years ago. I'm like, okay, so let me see. So I said, I had to go say, can you check that? And they the like, oh, okay. So they said, yeah, I'm gonna take this medication. I was 19 years old, mind you. This is, and I'm by myself in college trying to navigate all this. They go, okay, so yeah, that's what it is. Uh, it'll, I remember the statement. You have to take this the rest of your life. It's gonna be three times as hard for you to lose weight as everybody else now. And uh, that's where it is. It, this is how it is. It's an, it's an autoimmune thing. And I was like, that don't make any sense. I'm like, up until a little while ago, I was like 7%, I was crazy body fat, 7 to 12%. I mean, I would test it. Like I was so lean, so incredibly athletic, so muscular, you know, five 5'11", I was roughly like 120 pounds, very, very wow. lean, very, very strong, very, very athletic. Well, the year before in a soccer game, actually, so it does relate to the vegan thing, you know, kind of just building its way up. Um, I ended up in an emergency room after a soccer game, um, with a concussion and uh, two broken ribs, and you know I was very—I don't remember much, but I remember there was concussion and like oh I had some broken ribs. I finished the season playing like this. Well, I would continue to work out as I'm gaining this weight and getting worse and worse, and eventually my leg went totally numb during a run, and I had to drag myself back in as well. So it's all happening at the same time with the thyroid mm-hmm. thing, right? My body is just bones are breaking. I'm my I'm having um, neurological impairment on my leg. I can't feel it. I can't move it. I'm screaming, crying in pain, terrified. I might not walk, right? Mm. X-rays pop up to like, oh, you broke your back. I was like, what? So L5 was broken as well. A disc was it? So I'm basically just falling apart. They think I broke it in the game. Maybe they're like, maybe this is what happened Um, but I'm losing bone density right? I'm breaking my bones at this point. Uh, Thyroid is crashing, being devastated. So I go on this medication, still not putting anything together that it was because I went vegan so hardcore as many people do in college, right? And that freshman 15 phase, mine was like 50 pounds. Well, the hormone did help, right? I instantly was like, oh, wow. I was on Synthroid, I remember. And I went on a strong journey to kind of figure this out of what to do. And over that year of, of diving into weightlifting books and other things. I was still committed to the vegetarian thing because everything told me that this is the healthier thing to do. Everything told me the soy, the tofurkey, that, you know, like everything was the right way to go. Like, so I was eating soy and gluten primarily as the basis of my diet because that's what all the soy vegan stuff is, right? Long story short, um, through that, I kind of had this like, Crisis of why do I really want to be a doctor? Because how I've been being treated in this whole process has not been inspiring, has not been hopeful. It's if I did what they said, where I just kind of laid down and died, it it was very depressing. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. You won't tell me I won't run again. You won't tell me I'm not going to play sports again. You won't tell me that I'm going to be fat for the rest of my life. I'm taking it back somehow. So I just started like diving into a whole bunch of stuff and I started figuring things out and looking into supplementation and nutraceuticals and all this stuff. And again, I'm just 19, 20, 21. Well, through all of that, this one moment with this physician was just very, uh, I don't know, it kind of like in a way, if I didn't have so much strong FU energy in my system at that as a teenager, I could have been broken in that moment. Like you will never play competitive sports again. You're lucky you're gonna walk again and if you push it, you're not going to, you know, it was like, I was in traction for a long time. And I kept going out and pushing it and hurting myself again and go, I kept doing it like, Ooh. And finally it was that moment of that despair of like, Oh, I just remember looking at my mom going, yeah, get me out of here and take me to Keith. Keith was my chiropractor. I started getting adjusted at 16 due to a soccer injury and my back hurting and then giving me drugs like muscle relaxant, took me to the place. They gave me some drugs and I slept for like 24 hours. I missed school and I missed a game. I was like, what just happened? Like, I, and I was like, I don't like that feeling. That can't be the way to go. And my best friend said, why don't you go see my brother? And I said, what is, what is why? I just, he's a chiropractor. I'm like, what's that? And she's like, it, they'll help you back. And I was like, okay. I told my mom and she had been, so she took me. Um, and it was one of the few moments in my life I had good health insurance cause she was married to a cop. So we had insurance which afforded me the ability to pay a $6 copay. Cause I remember this. It was like, my mom was like, you can go as much as you want. I was like, really? So I would go three times a week and Keith would work on me and I would get adjusted before games, after games. He taught me mm. about vitalism. He pounded into me just visit after visit about why I shouldn't take Tylenol, why I need sleep, why I shouldn't take a drug, why, blah, 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 why I should stop drinking Coca-Cola, why I should stop going to Burger King. right? And like a teenager, I was like, okay, whatever, whatever. Because at 17, 16, 17, 18, you can get away with anything, right? And still be just a beast. Well, I finally, with that moment of terror of I don't want to be in a wheelchair, um, he said, will you do, listen, I said, I will do anything you say. I will, I, I got it. So looking at that whole situation and being surrounded by, with what he did to my system, there was this aha. I, I said, I don't know if I really wanna be a physician because I think I'm being driven by my ego. I think I just want the title and the respect and the money. And if that's what that is, I need to pause. So I took a year off after I graduated. I said, I'm gonna use this year to make sure that what I really want is this. So most of my friends' dads were physicians and many of them let me come in and do things and see things, uh, go on rounds and stuff like that and get an idea of what it would be like to be a physician. And Keith did the same thing with me with what it would be like to be a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. And through that year, um, I also ended up working um, in a mental hospital for schizophrenics. Uh, Mm -hmm. I worked as a caseworker. So I was, so this is, I was really trying to see, get my into the healthcare system. And in that as well, I became again, once again, disgusted with what I saw, just the rampant drug use of zero people recovering, nobody getting better. We're just sprinkling drugs and other drugs to deal with the problems that those caused. And I just said, this can't be the solution. This can't be right. And there was just an aha moment in, in Keith's office, um, where I said to him, and I was just working like my you know job job, still deciding, you know, do I want to be a surgeon? Do I want to be a psychiatrist? What am I what am I gonna do? I was debating between orthopedic surgery and child psychiatry, which is really interesting when you find out what I really do. <laughs> well, I'm a chiropractor, orthopedic surgery, there's your orthopedics that does, that's board certified in neurofeedback and I specialize in mental health issues. Wow. I I actually blended and I had no idea that's what I was gonna do. I deal with the structure and function and brain function and I specialize with autism, ADHD, learning disorders, suicide, depression, that's my patient base, right? It's, it's, I can't, I can't, I can't have made this up that that at 1920 what I was debating and what I ended up becoming later on. It took 20 something years though. So, it had this aha moment with him. And I said to him, I said, here's the thing, Keith, because I would have constant, like a lot of back issues because of the injury and not fully not getting tight enough abs really is my problem. And I said, here's the thing, Keith, when I'm coming in and I'm getting adjusted, because I would go when it hurt, I'd go long enough to have him get me out of pain. And then I would stop again. And I would come back when it hurt. (laughs) And then I would right typical, like, yo-yo dieting, it's yo-yo healthcare, right? Yo-yo chiropractic, very, very common, right? And he always, you know, welcome back. And I said, here's the thing, when I'm getting adjusted, it can't be just the, the pain. Why am I so much happier? Why is the world, why do I see things? through like rose colored glasses. Why am I optimistic? Why am I more vibrant? Why am I happier? Why can't I just handle anything? Like, I don't get, what's that? I'm like, why does that happen? And then he suddenly explained the nervous system and the way information comes in and goes out, you know, in a completely different way. And that he really was a doctor of the nervous system of the brain and spinal cord and affecting neurotransmitters. And he went through the whole kind of psychoneuroimmunology in a few minutes. And I, I just went, I said, wait a minute. I said, he goes, yeah, I go, are you saying the schizophrenics, and these were my people, I go, they need to be adjusted? And he goes, yeah. I was like, oh my God, that's it. That's what I'm gonna do. Where do I go? And he goes, Atlanta. I was six months later, I was gone. And I was enrolled in graduate school in Atlanta. And I went with the whole purpose of wanting to help the ignored the mentally ill right the schizophrenics the suicidal people the bipolar the drug addicts um and the prison population that's who i wanted that's why i went to school to learn how to help so very different reason i never thought of myself as a back pain doctor even though i started as a sports injury kind of person and it recovered me from sports injury it's a very different thing but over the thyroid problem and 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 the lack of care i felt and just seeing drugs being used i was very disillusioned and i got really in check Mm. with and he said it very strongly because stephanie this is if you if you do this you have to be okay with not getting respect you will not be respected You will not be considered a real doctor. You will always be a salmon. I remember them very clearly. You will always be the salmon swimming upstream. If you're not okay with that, I want you to go to medical school. I want you to be the best damn physician that exists because you'll understand chiropractic. You'll understand vitalistic health. You're going to be outstanding, but you need to be aware of it. And I was like, that's a good point. And I had to really get, am I strong enough to be disliked? Am I strong enough to be called a quack? Am I strong enough to be okay that I won't be accepted with the popular uh, Western medical guidelines? And I said, yeah, I think I am. Oh my god! Okay, my respect for you went from here to
0: way up Uh, here. (laughs) I'm not the only one. I'm not. This is what we all. This. Uh, uh, I, I mean, to me, that is especially nowadays with the way things are going. For people to actually stand up for what they feel is right, and and is not being put out there, whether it's carnivore or keto or whatever. And for you, chiropractic, I mean, really? Uh, but I, I get it because I've always been told, oh, you know, the, the, you know, backcrackers. And yeah. so it was always kind of like, uh, not really, no, doctors. Right. Like what you said, and I I get that because I was led to believe that too. Now the difference is I actually knew some people who kind of had a situation like you, where it's way more than just adjusting your back. There's other things that it, in, involve, and uh, so I definitely had more respect.
1: Yeah, for that. It's our own but, fault. It's our own fault. You think of us as backcrackers, right? So that's an easy marketing tool, right? Pain, uh, back, headache, injury, right? And and it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. There there really isn't, but we always have to, I just wish those docs would also take the explanation a little bit further to say, ultimately, the only reason I'm touching your head or your spine is because it houses your nervous system. That's what we're doing. We, We aren't joint doctors. The only reason the joint matters is because again of the neurological information that a damaged joint is sending to your brain. So that's, it's really, we're taught that in school, okay? It's, we're very much taught that we're taught tons of nutrition or tons of lots of digestive stuff, mm-hmm. not very, very holistic. We get a very, very broad range of what to do. Just like we're taught tons of um, physical therapy certification, you know, for ultrasound or muscle STEM. And you can pick and choose how you wanna be in practice And so unlike, let's say a dentist, which most of the time, most dentists are about the same. You might have some a little bit more holistic that'll be doing ozone therapy. You might have somebody that has a nice cone x-ray machine versus the standard cheap stuff. But in general, people know what a dentist looks like. Mm -hmm. A chiropractor, we've got over 4,000 registered certified techniques available to us. Most people, most schools teach one to two. I went to this kind of school that teaches about 20. I know about 50. So you can go to one chiropractor who's gonna use a machine on this bone only, left or right side, or they're gonna use a little hand clicker, or another doctor is gonna adjust like eight segments. Another one's gonna focus on your feet and put you in orthotics. Another one's gonna do muscle stim and ultrasound, right? And depending on what state you're in and what philosophy they ascribe to can look completely different. Hmm. So it's super confusing for a consumer and from a com- like an advertising uh, level, pain is a strong motivator to get people to get help, right? So people use that as the hook to get them in but we've made ourselves look like uh, back pain technicians when I'm really a doctor of the nervous system and everyone is, and just some docs will depend on their, what they're into and how big they take it in practice. So I was into nutrition and supplementation driven by my own desire to heal myself, right? Already. I was interested in psychology. I was basically a psychology minor. So I was interested in the psyche, obsessed with the psyche. So I, I worked in with, schizophrenics, right? So I brought that to the table before I went to school. My family is littered with drug addicts and alcoholics and mental illnesses. So I'm driven by trying to figure out how to help them and not become that myself, right? Uh, So that's what I was already bringing to the table. There was a little bit of a plot twist while I was in school. So my nephew got diagnosed with autism. So my big sister, who I respect more than anybody, right? Her son. And so she, Stephanie, I need help. What to do? Uh, so then I became a lunatic and obsessive compulsive. I'm very driven. I'm an undermethylation kind of perfectionistic person. That's just some high performing driven, right? So, th- so I became obsessed with figuring out how to help him, what to do. Um, and then I, so I was trained by the team and arsenal of, of wicked autism recovery badasses that we found to work with him. And they loved, they, they, that, those kind of physicians and doctors, they're not stingy or greedy with their information and they want nothing but to be, have a holistic approach. So they're like, come on, young doc, I was still in school and they just started training me and mentoring me, going over oh, the wow. labs, going over everything. This is what you're gonna do. This is how you're gonna take it. This is why we're changing this. This is So I learned um being directly trained on him while i was still in school with with who my sister was hiring and then i eventually they became my doctors my son doctor right so I was trained and trained and trained and it so it became very personal right and that led me eventually to becoming a neurofeedback therapist because that was one of the interventions so i did a lot of gaps diets intervention i had a study that could be used did gaps diet with him and neurofeedback, we did tons of, I mean, he had hippotherapy and you know, horses, so many stuff. But those were the two anchors that my sister said, out of everything we did, these were over, she saw the most potent, powerful effects when we did those and stacked them on top of each other. And it just was the moment of, well, then I've got to learn how to do this because I can't just keep adjusting. I, 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 I don't know any chiropractor with the genius inside of them that they can adjust the spine or do a, a, a tension move and I can make an autistic child talk again. But I know how to do it with nutrition, diet, healing the gut and brain therapies because I've done it over and over and over and over again. Right? So I was starting to just refer people and it was my best friend, Naomi, Keith's sister, who said to me, I was giving her an article. It was a Christmas time in my family. I said, I need you to get her son has cerebral palsy and a seizure disorder. And I said, you need neurofeedback. He needs neurofeedback. We got to get it. And here we need to find you somebody. I'm trying to find her somebody up in Detroit. And she just goes, I just wish you could do it on him. I'm like, I don't know how to do it. And she goes, well, can't you just learn it? And I went, oh yeah. I guess I can. <laughs> so then I started a you know, three year long journey of um, become board certified neurofeedback therapist through bcia.org. And then my primary practice is the neurofeedback brain therapies. I use light, sound, PEMF, so I, magnetism, neurofeedback, um, heart rate variability, uh, uh, anything I can do and, and diets, ways of eating, supplements, healing the gut. So unfortunately, if you're gonna deal with the brain and you're gonna deal with autism, you kinda of gotta learn how everything works together. If mm-hmm. you can't just do one thing, it don't work that way. We have a major trauma and all the parts that have to go together, that includes heavy metal detoxification, chelation. I mean, you name it, you've gotta know at least the yeah. big umbrella picture If you can't do it all, you better make sure you find the right clinicians to have an integrative approach. That's the least you can do as a clinician when a family comes into you with that child, with tears telling you the the last words they heard that kid said, that kind of thing over and over again, when you hear it, it sits with you, it stays with you for life. They become my own family. Mm -hmm. And you hit to a point like your own rage at what was done to that child and what was done to that family, what they were told, the disregard of of, that's just it, it's nothing you can do. And sometimes I think of the years wasted by the time they would get to my office because like I'm your last hope person because I'm not conventional, I'm all the weird stuff, no insurance pays for anything I do. You're gonna have to pay cash for it all. They, they, you know, this is fake woo-woo quackery to the American Medical Association. They just say, Done and done, doesn't matter what you do for that kid, stick them on Risperidol and and ship them off to a home one day. That's their solution, right? Speech therapy, little OT therapy, a few things they do have, have good purpose, but I'm looking at, we need to stop the damage. We need to try and recover it. You don't just blow up a house and say, well, screw it. I don't think we should try to rebuild it. No. You try to fix it and you try to rebuild it, get the garbage out, lay a new foundation and start construction again. So (laughs) that's what I try to do with the human brain in a number of ways. So that's what kind of led me to where I am today.
0: That is an amazing journey. And I have so, so much respect for that. And, And that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm evolving as I go. And figure out, oh, I need to really get more here. I need to do more here. Nothing on the scale is what you have done, but I, I get where you're going with that. And I think it's amazing. And you help so many people, and you're getting to the root. Of, of what yeah. the issues are and building from here, like you said, laying a new foundation. Mm-hmm. I think that is in so many, just like you said, here's some drugs here, here, go do this therapy over here. And they're dismissed. And I hear that all the time uh, from people that I interview and that I've done for success stories through meet our how they were basically told there is no hope. You're uh, type two diabetes. You're going to always be on insulin. Nothing you can do, blah, blah, blah. Keep eating your carbs. What? Almost right?
1: They're telling, yeah. um, They tell them that for ulcerative colitis, which we just, just come in. I'm like, that's not even that hard to fix pumpkin. No. Like they've been, you've been on steroids, what? For 10 years, you can get somebody in remission four to six weeks. I've done it so many times. I'm like, this is, I don't understand. And literally <sighs> those patients will go back to the gastroenterologist and the gastroenterologist will insult them. And so, and then they come back to me and they go, I think I just need to never go to them again. I'm like, why? They go, because instead of saying, yay, How'd you do it? They said, she must be a quack. It's temporary. It's going to come back. I said, wow, isn't that awesome? Instead of saying, damn, I've been seeing you 15 years and I've done nothing. What the hell did she do in four weeks that makes the scope be clean, clear? And I'm usually like, oh man, it's like four supplements. It's not rocket science. It, it's really not eliminate the, the, the poison that's, da- that's ripping through their gut and give them things to heal it. <laughs> know what I mean now you got to tell them like pumpkin you can't keep drinking bleach you can't actually eat you can't like chew glass and expect to not have ulcers again like we do have to change what's going on for you but so be it right most of them are very happy to have a life that they're not on those meds and not have the symptoms anything they say that for, you know they say it for every autoimmune disorder which I think is a scam and a con to begin with To even use that term Uh, they tell them for everything oh you just have you know Hashimoto's, you just have lupus, you just have this and you have to learn- Deal with this. it, you manage yeah. It. Yeah. You live with it, you just you live by. with it. Yeah, okay. nothing you can do. Okay. Right, instead of saying, here's the thing, I don't know anything about that actually of how to do that, but here's some resources you can check out. Because just like I would never give someone advice on hmm, mitral valve prolapse surgery, because I don't know anything about it, I shut the hell up when it's not my lane. And I'm like, I don't know, I'm, but here's a good, here's a cardiothoracic surgeon that seems decent in the area that isn't a jerk, because, and, and why don't you go see what they have to say? And we can talk about it. And if I see how it fits in with your care plan, I don't know anything about that. So when I see physicians, I don't know anything about nutrition, don't know anything about supplementation, don't know anything about uh, anything holistic, don't know what ozone therapy is, don't know, Anything except what big pharma taught them. Giving any advice to their patient to discourage them or from seeing anyone else doing anything else, I just tell patients to run as fast as you can. Because that's not a good I doctor.
0: I agree. You know? So speaking of staying in your own lane, yeah. And it seems like the practice you're in does have a very wide I range. Know. Horrible. So <laughs> where where can, where do you draw the line? Like how what is your scope of practice, I guess? Like, what are you allowed to do? What are you not allowed to do as a
1: chiropractor? Cause there's gotta be some kind of where obviously yeah, not prescription. Yeah, I don't give advice on um, drugs, right? Even though I have to deal with that. So my job is I'm gonna titrate people off medications. I do it all the time. You come in on seven medications, you're gonna leave my office on one to two or none. Uh, my schizophrenics typically often will need one to two for life. Right, uh, but they're not schizophrenic really anymore. Right, we're on supplementation. I've changed their diet. We've done whatever. Uh, I do like lithium for them. They they typically tend to need it. But ADHD, we're done with the meds. You we know, we're I I anxiety, we're done with all of those things. So we titrate people, and I you work with um, good therapists. And uh, one or two, you have to find the psychiatrist. You have to find the endocrinologist. You have to find the physician mm-hmm. that you can work with together. And they understand neurofeedback. They understand as I optimize the brain, and as I uh, help, it's kind of like diabetes, right? So if somebody is uh, a type two diabetic, and so they've got, a, and it's and there's like obesity. So let's say we have a hundred pounds, and we have all this insulin resistance, and so they're taking uh, injections of like twenty units of insulin after they eat or something. Well, if they come to me, and I help them lose weight, and as they're losing, and you know they're losing weight. I've got them the fats going down. I've also, they've been lifting weights. So the, the muscle and similar resistance is going away too. Insulin resistance is going down. They cannot stay. If I have a hundred pounds gone, they should not be using 20 units of insulin after they eat anymore. Right. Cause they can over medicate. Right. Mm-hmm. The same happens with when we change the brain. So if they're on, um, your Welbutrin or Xanax or Valium, a benzodiazepine of some sort, anything like that. As I'm changing the the brain wave patterns in the brain, normalizing it. And now the brain can actually sleep. The brain can actually throttle down into neutral. The brain isn't running on high beta overdrive anxiety anymore. If you keep sprinkling that drug onto that, Now we're gonna have side effects from the medication. So we have to start lowering things as the brain is normalizing, no different than you do for a metabolic issue. So I consult on thyroid hormones. I run Dutch, I run labs. I run Dutch panels. I run genetic profiles. I do epigenetic coaching based upon a genetic panel. I look at methylation and how that relates to autism and other psychiatric things. I run the GenoMind panel, which is a psychiatric panel. I'm allowed to run it. I'm one of, you know, And the sad part is because psychiatrists don't do why this is the only reason, Amber, because I couldn't find enough physicians who were educated and trained that could work with me. And I got tired of having nobody to send my patients to, to get help. So I had to start doing it. I wasn't doing it because I'm like, Ooh, I want to be running genetic panels to help, but I can run it, you know, why would they put you on an opioid if they can you could just run a panel to find out if that person's going to end up becoming an addict that they have like three times as strong you can just see if they have a genetic variant and you know oh no never get that drug into your system or oh we can see what what weed is going to do to you so i'll run the panel i'll tell the parents here's the thing when this kid gets to be teenage years we cannot screw around with what weed is going to do. let me explain. Oh, let's tell you what cigarettes are going to do to you. If you're like, you can run a genetic panel and find out ahead of time what somebody's blood levels are going to be. If, if that medication, they just run a, they just write the script based on your body weight. And then some people have really bad reactions, right? And some people have no response. And so they literally just guess, oh, bad response, lower. Oh, no response, keep increasing. Well, you can actually find out genetic variants ahead of time to say, Oh, these people are going to get really high blood levels from that medication, or these people metabolize so much. It's like, they never even take anything. So they aren't lying when they tell you they took all of those benzodiazepines and they still didn't go to sleep, or they took all that opioid and they're still in pain, but those people get, get marked as a drug addict. Like they're faking no pumpkin they're still in super pain because they just chew through it and the genetics can tell you that why don't psychiatrists learn this that's why fascinating don't they do anything right it's the only profession that's allowed to write scripts at will for anything they want with zero lab testing zero imaging they're allowed to treat an organ the brain without ever looking at it Wow! Literally they can just say whatever they want based upon what somebody says. Nobody else can do that. If an endocrinologist starts writing hormones without having a justification on a lab, what? If a neurosurgeon wants to operate without having a image, an MRI, a CT scan of, the, of what's happening, it's malpractice. So for some reason, that one profession has a total pass on really understanding brain function, brain structure, and they can write these powerful drug prescriptions without looking at anything. And again, the genetic testing is simply a probability. It doesn't always show you, but they're doing a really, really good job at being able to say, I can look at it and go, oh, this person is three times higher risk of PTSD than somebody else over here. Or, oh, this this person, they must exercise Exercise has three times the effect at managing their ADHD than this person. So you can have 10 different ADHD cases sitting in front of you. There's at least 12 subtypes of ADHD in the brain, by the way, and you don't treat them all the same. So if you don't take a picture, you don't do labs, how the heck do you know what you're doing? Oh, I guess it doesn't matter if all you do is prescribe methamphetamines to them, period right? Some of those kids will respond really well to omega-3. Some, it'll do nothing. Some must exercise. That's why I'll tell parents, that, and what people want to do when their kids' grades get bad or they get mouthy and they're bratty, take away their sports. So one of my favorite things is to sit and be able to go to, you know, a family and go, okay, let's go over your child and let's say, and you'll say, let me be real clear. I don't care what she does. Never take her basketball away from her she has three times the improvement in ADHD reduction of, of, of uh, symptoms from hard exercise. And so when she graduates high school, it is a requirement that you maintain that. And usually those kind of girls are I'm like, they should be boxing, kickboxing, MMA fighting or something really aggressive because that's gonna help their focus and concentration because that genetic panel shows me what it's doing to the BDNF in their brain. Other people, Don't get a sharp improvement from exercise. Doesn't seem to help their concentration of focus. It's good for other things, but see, that's how you can look at it ahead of time and just set them up like, oh, we see what that marker is. Their cortisol is gonna go three times as higher as somebody else based upon this genetic trio They need these supplements to help keep cortisol down. We really got to hit them hard with why breath work and meditation is critical for them to master because it's just genetically programmed to have a super strong cortisol spike. They didn't ask for that. It just is what it is, right? You can look at all that. It's not rocket science, right? So why aren't they doing it? Because you would learn a lot of natural ways to get people not on drugs, by the way. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and that's what you see across the board with everything. It's like a, a diabetic. Oh, well you have to keep having all these carbs all through the day. Uh-huh. And then those of us who are awake and who, who get it, we're like, yeah. but you're giving them exactly what's causing the problem. I'm not, I'm not understanding. It no. makes no
1: sense. No, I mean. <laughs> None of what they do make sense. Oh, I mean, really. They've been saying eat a plant-based, high-carb diet, low animal fat, so high vegetable seed at that point. That's been the recommended guideline like 30 years now or something. It's been a very, I was a kid, it was born in the Mm -hmm. 70s for basic food group, right? It was a little bit different. Then, when they came up with that pyramid, which I think was like the 80s, like early 80s or something mm-hmm. like that 70, 80, whatever, that switched it to plant based. And that's because that was all, it's all grains. The basis is seven to 11 or something servings of like rice. That blows rice. me away now. It all, it's all manufactured industrial fake food stuff that no humans in the wild were eating, uh, you know, 15,000 years ago. Nobody. Nobody ate it, we're not, we cannot walk up to grass, we cannot walk up to to wheat, we can't walk up to quinoa, spelt, we can't eat it. We can't do it, okay? We've been given the most amazing, incredible uh, photosynthesis based manufacturing plant on earth that can take grass and wheat and grains and do this amazing magic. It's called a ruminant animal right? It does it for us. Yes. And we're like, oh man, because it has all these stomachs and all these other bugs that we don't have and we can't do it. It's the bacteria in their uh, body that does it. We don't have the ability to do what they can do. They take that cellulose and they turn it into fats. You know, they're eating a ketogenic diet, which you know that, right? You know, like, so yeah. it's amazing. It's tell the cow and the, uh, uh, the bison, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a bison fan. They're eating a ketogenic diet. They're not vegetarians. It's, they're ketogenic. You know what I mean? Because the bacteria are turning all of that grass into fat. And, you know, that's, they're, they're turning it into... Uh, you know, I think medium chain triglycerides. I, want to, I don't want to be wrong on that, but it's a bunch of small little fats they absorb. So it's a high mm-hmm. fat diet. It's like 70, 80 percent fat, right? They turn that into that beautiful, thick, you know, omega three rich, nutrient dense everything a human needs. You know, yeah. To that. And they <laughs> can easily digest that. Bim bam boom, no problem. And we assimilate and and turn that into into beautiful tissue without causing any damage to our guts, like the plant would do. Um, so yeah, but that's not what most people realize or think or know.
0: Now, let me ask you this, since you were vegan and you can answer this, I was never fully vegan or vegetarian for that matter. Okay, Okay. So, so you have a good background. Do you believe that there is somebody who can actually really benefit from the vegan diet that it would be really healthy for them to do versus-
1: um, Long-term? Yes. No. Wow, okay. So- You would have such a bizarre, that would be such a bizarre genetic mutation of what it it means to be human. I would almost suspect they're an alien creature. (laughs) Well, you know, that is a possibility. Yeah, right. So now are there people who are vegan long-term right now doing well. Yes, but let's look at what they're taking, the supplementation, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Let's look at all the artificial additions that they're doing. Now, I'm not saying it can't be done. It's just, if it, right. if what you're eating needs to be turned into a math equation and it, you, you need like apps and everything, and it's like, a, it looks like a shoot like this, and this essential, and we gotta do this so the enzyme can do this and it can convert, I mean, that's not really what eating's supposed to be like. So, so they're all taking a lot of stuff. Yeah. And see, that's where I kind of come from
0: is like, if you have to supplement essential things in order for your diet to be healthy, that's a red flag for me. And I'm not talking about like, you know, taking a magnesium or a D3 or something along to kind of boost because right now the way things are, you know, our soil is deplete and a lot of us don't get out in the sun enough. So, I, you know, you can see some of that, but something essential like B12. I mean, that's crazy. That's like super essential, you know, and then to have to do something to supplement some of that. I'm just like, I just don't understand how you can consider that to
1: be, the human diet. Right, I think it's the, you know, it's an interesting thing. The more, uh, you know, cause the vegan community, I was part of it. What are we? We're highly educated, um, highly liberal, um, progressive kind of people that are very sensitive usually. Notice, remember I said, I couldn't handle animal dying, right? So we're super easy we're compassionate and empathic, right? That's how we start. Super easy to hook us in emotionally and flip that brain, hijack it completely. Once that part of the brain that is purely emotional, um, that is a kind of a, even a life or death part of the brain gets flipped and flooded, it cuts off the prefrontal cortex, the part that's really there for some logical, rational decision-making, looking at facts and examples, The limbic part of the brain doesn't do that. It's just "Ah!" emotion, okay? Um, the limbic system is lovely. You fall in love there too. And again, falling in love is a stupid thing to do. It's not rational or logical, right? But in general, you know, this is the brain. This is the emotional center. This is your cortex, prefrontal cortex. This keeps everything all together nicely integrated. You have a life or death moment, or you fall in love, or you get triggered by a vegan pamphlet that shows you cute bunny rabbits being tortured in a lab, which is what happened to me. And you flip your lid and you're flooded. And now the only thing making decisions is this highly emotional, panicked style brain. Mm. And that's how you get hooked, right? And so then you have a strong cognitive bias and you're only gonna look at things that are gonna support what you're doing, just what I did. And they're so good at feeding that information and propaganda to you. That this is the ultimate disconnection from nature. So we're highly educated, urban dwelling city folk who've never grew up on a farm, never saw a chicken being killed in a backyard, or you know, I didn't see any of that. I didn't grow up camping, I didn't grow up hunting, and as I looked at it, now, as I look at it now, as I've gotten into ancestral ways of living, primal ways, studying what humans, what we really are, and how we came to be here. That is the ultimate disconnection to everything about nature. And the irony is most of us made that decision for spiritual, ethical kind of reasons, mm-hmm. right? That was what was driving me. I thought it was making me a better human being. I thought it was increasing my compassion. I thought it was was me not being a murderer, literally right. propaganda, not understand that shows complete ignorance to understanding the cycle of life and a complete disconnection of of a universal intelligence and a spiritual power of energy being transmuted upon this earth. And we don't want to admit that that's where we are, but that's what it was. So I'm at a point now, again, never done it, but I look at even, I used to be that person that judged and thought hunters were disgusting. I thought they were some, I thought they were mentally ill psychopaths. Something must be wrong with you if you could go out there and kill a deer, mm-hmm. right? Right, right? Okay. Yeah, now, yeah. now I'm like, oh man, I think I really have to learn how to do it. I really don't know how I'm going to do that. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm in the same boat, right? With you, but there's that moment of yeah. how dare I continue to assimilate the power of that body into me to keep me alive. That buffalo, that deer, that cow have saved my life. I was near death as a vegan after 12 years, after five years of doctor after doctor after PhD after chiropractor that I was people I respected saying. You cannot keep doing this, you are going to be dead. And it was finally the one I said, I don't see you making it three more years, you're going to be riddled with cancer at 30 ish or whatever. I was in full menopause. Wow, thyroid had completely shut down at that point, estrogen gone. Um, having all the hot flashes are like, you can't get pregnant, you know, that you're infertile now. I mean, the whole thing was, deb- I couldn't think. And it was my friends who are older than me that said, it sounds like you're in menopause. Like you're way too, I really think you need to go. I need you need your labs on. And people had been telling me, I mean, great doctors that I deeply respected, but I was so tricked into thinking I was doing the right thing mm-hmm. that I was willing to sacrifice my health for a cause. Mm-hmm. I didn't have wear leather belts. I didn't wear leather shoes. I was hardcore. Wow. And there was a moment and I said, okay, I switched. And, and it was a great endocrinologist saying, I know you've done this. I know this is hard for you to understand. And he directed me towards some information. And I really dove into like the Weston A. Price Foundation. And I really tro- dove into tribal cultures. And I had been on a mission trip in Brazil with a bunch of chiropractors. I've been in a few, but this one in Brazil, uh, I was a student and We got dropped off to different locations. I was with four docs, and we—you sit there and you basically—it was at a church, and it looked really, really, really poor, like poverty, like you know Americans don't understand. And once they find out you're there to give free healthcare, basically, we're adjusting. They don't really know what it is, right? They line up. We are there twelve hours a day. We get like an hour for lunch. And you just, you're adjusting 300, wow. you know, 500 people a day. I mean, you just hit it. There's really no language issue because actually there's no sitting and talking. They can't really tell you much because I don't speak Portuguese. Um, but oddly, in a few days there, I completely understood it. Spirit took over. I could totally, I was completely, The translators would come and they would say something. And I go, and I would say, well, she just said this. They go, yeah, Uncle, I don't need you anymore. It, it, I'm telling, I completely could understand it in three days, that it's not a me, that's a spirit came in and did something, right? So when you do things for a higher purpose, higher purpose comes in and, and deals with it. Well, I was a vegan, right? All the doctors knew I was a vegan. And they're like, what are you going to do, right? Because they a family in the church volunteers to take you to, to their house and to feed you. Mm. Okay. So I remember the first time, first house we walk in and they're poor. I mean, dirt poor to the point we didn't know what to do, like- I don't want to eat all their food. Are, are we taking their food for the week? Like I, really, we weren't right? Like wow, very small, like tough kind of neighborhoods. What you literally, this one street was called the river of death when you walked by and you're like, and and by the way, the animals are in the street, cows and bulls. See. You're like, are we eating one that was out there in the sewer? I mean, <laughs> you just don't know, right? So I remember walking by and seeing like all this meat and all this stuff and went to the, Bathroom to wash, and it kind of had this look in the mirror moment, and I just prayed, and I'm like, you know, with tears starting well up, like, what am I supposed to do? You know what I mean about my principles and my conviction. And I can fast; I've been water fasting. I can like I can go five days without eating lunch. This is not a problem for me, but the level of not receiving the gift that they were giving—that mm. love and appreciation—and I don't know, Spirit. I don't really use the word God. You notice, but kind of just showed me a thing right in the mirror, just showed it. And it was like the, the seeing the visual and saying, you don't judge the lion for eating the gazelle, right?
0: Exactly.
1: And, and I was like, it, it just was so obvious and so simple and a wave of calm went over me. And mm-hmm. I could see that this was a moment of, of not receiving this gift unto me that they had given would be the ultimate insult and, and my ultimate selfishness. To some principle or ideal. That was ridiculous. So when I went back to the table, there was it, one of the guys said, he goes, no, the woman, Jody, actually, she goes, so anybody else here, a vegetarian? And there were three of us who were, one of us who wasn't. And Skylar just said, well, I'm not today. And I said, me either. And you might, I'm going to eat whatever they put on my plate. And after a while, we had to tell them not to tell us because ox hard and did it. I'm like, I don't want to know. <laughs> and so they thought it was really cute that you know, the other girl was like squeamish, and they just kept bring. And I remember our translator said, and we were all tentative that first meal. Like, I don't want to <laughs> eat too much. What do we do? And she, he goes, she's really concerned. Like, you're actually offending them. Like, is it not good or something? Because why aren't you eating? And we're like, oh, and we oh. told them like we're nervous about how much he's like oh no 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 don't don't worry about that it's like it's offensive and we're like oh okay so like (laughs) we start we're eating like well it's delicious but we're just nervous about taking their food and what they do is just keep filling your plate back up you're like oh my god and so we had one guy he was john he was big iowa kind of country farm boy blonde hair blue-eyed and they love that they're big boy big john they girls would like come there and just watch him all day because he was so pretty. (laughs) This poor man had to eat so much food for the team because they just kept filling it. And we were like, John, you better, he's like, I can't say no. We're like, nope. At least the two women could be like, oh, I'm full. And they would laugh at us. I'm like, I can't eat any more food. Well, let me tell you, in those 10 days I was in Brazil, I ate so much meat. I never even drank alcohol. I started drinking beer there with the guys and we'd be gone all day. We'd come back. And all the docs, my friends would go, "Oh man, I'm really worried about you. Like, how you doing? Like, h- how you handling it? What, are you okay?" And I was like, "What? What are you talking about? How am I handling what?" And they're like, "Well, like, I'm sure nothing's vegan." I said, "Oh." They're like, "Is your stomach upset?" I'm like, "I actually feel fabulous." I mean, then they saw me eating ice cream. I go, "What?" I mean, the nuns would make us ice cream homemade. I'm like, "I'm like, honey, I ate ox heart today. Don't think I'm not having the ice cream now. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's done. I'm not vegan." This <laughs> I was in no pain had such strong energy the same thing happened when i had to go on a mission trip in mexico you have to eat all this stuff so i had these moments of like i still was like refusing to believe but when mm. i started eating all this meat and all this stuff i felt great other doctors are dropping like flies on me i'm in no pain my back's not hurting i'm strong I'm like i'm good to go and they're like you're not hurting i'm like nope nope poop problems i'm fine i feel great <laughs> you know and it was like. 10 years later, or something, when I finally, I'm like, oh, that's why I always felt good. Wow. But see, wow. that's how much we took ourselves. <laughs> yeah. That's how many games. So I get the irrational, ridiculous, sad, disconnected to nature vegan logic. I lived it for so long, where you create some delusional thinking as if what you're doing isn't causing environmental damage, isn't causing lives to be, you know, hurt but I was, I was deep in it. And now I've hit the point where I'm like to really honor like the lion to the gazelle, right? What you've done to me, like ancient spirit medicine. Now I bless, I see what, how I transmit it. Like I, that life didn't die with no purpose. I need it to live right? And just yes. like everything, the grass has, to, everything lives and dies. Like the grass has its place that, you know, circle.
0: of Yeah. <laughs> right? And when
1: I die and when the lion dies, we, we're going to go into the earth and make mineral rich soil again, that the plants will do. And the, you know, it, it's all supposed to be, but we become so disconnected to the idea of death. We're so sanitized. We can't handle birth dirtiness, mm-hmm. death, dirtiness, uh, the idea of how, you know, and I I reference people back when they're vegetarians come in and I'm trying to like convert them. Like, okay, everybody knows like about the Aboriginal tribes and Native American tribes and people, you know are using medicine cards now and people go to sweat lodges now, right? It's all very popular. I'm like, so do you think we're using quotes of them you're using their prayers you're going to the indian you know native american shaman do you think he's disconnected from spirit you think he they know more than the lakota know more than you right well yeah like they thought everything had was god everything had a spirit to it mother you know earth father sky everything mm. was blessed everything was a was a, a connected space they go yeah so are they murderers because they were eating the bison Because that was the primary, I mean, I don't, I'm confused. You can't really have it both ways. Like they're the most spiritual yet. We're going to ignore the foundation of that whole, the way they were that way. Right. So. Which is huge. (laughs) What they hate was huge. it is. There's no primal culture, no indigenous culture. That's a vegetarian on earth. Never has been. Uh never will be. That right there made me go. Oh, right. (laughs) And then we. Oh, that's interesting how that vegan pamphlet seemed to miss that part in telling me that, right? You know. Oh, oh, well, let, let me ask you
0: this, and this is, might be a little controversial or whatever, but um, because our society, let's face it, we are pretty much plant based, right? That bottom part of that pyramid, that's what's pushed. We eat so many servings of grain. Okay, I don't say we because we don't, but the majority general population. Yeah, right. And the so, world,
1: really, the majority of the globe is yes, grains
0: yes. and seed oils. Yes. yes. So the question is, Do you think that that plays into some of the craziness we're seeing these days with the emotional outbursts and the uh, online is just crazy? I mean, emotional
1: reactivity and mental reactive. Yes, 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 Yes. yeah. So you have parts of your brain, right? So, absolutely. A sugar-based brain that's lacking saturated fats and cholesterols, that, which is its primary substrate, is an emotionally reactive and unstable brain. So the parts of the brain that deal with, which is, again, that cortex, is not just logic, reason, and good future planning and function. It also holds compassion and empathy. Right, the ability to activate those mirror neurons then and put it up which it means you could feel what another person is feeling just by it's like you know if you watch a guy get kicked in the balls and everybody goes oh because you like feel it or you watch somebody do something like an, a broken limb and it's the wrong way and your whole you feel uh-huh, uh-huh. that's a mirror neuron reaction we're able to um, like sociopaths don't have that like they that's why like a serial murderer can do what they do. They don't have a m- normal mirror neuron function. Mm. They don't feel like that it's, they don't feel that. That's already a dangerous situation. So anything to damage a mirror neuron is not, not a good plan. So that being said, then it goes up there and allows you to have this empathy and compassion that go in so you can connect with other people and make good decisions with that other executive CEO of your brain. They're, they're tied in, like, so you're supposed mm-hmm. to be like this, right? Well, that part of the brain, this higher executive function, it really likes to go to work on ketones. So a brain, a brain on ketones, on fat, not all jacked up by super high glucose and and stuff like that, high insulin. It's a calmer, more stable brain that is more rational and can make better decisions. And it has more compassion and more empathy. The inside emotional brain, that's just the reptilian part, this this lower base animal that doesn't make, that isn't real smart, doesn't make good decisions it just knows like reflexive ways to stay alive or fight. It's the war part of the brain. It is a me against you' I'm, it's, it's the war brain this is the compassion brain right Sugar feeds this and activates it so if you keep feeding nothing but this and you always starve this eventually this will just always takes over. So yeah what people eat absolutely does that. And a brain that feels like it's starving all the time. And a brain that doesn't get enough animal fat and animal protein feels like it's starving all the time. That oh brain my. thinks it's in a famine. That's in a life or death state all the time. So it overreacts, it over-responds because it's on high alert. So part of my I teach one course. It's called the 3R for women, 3R for rest, restore, renew. The first word is rest. And, and it's a carnivore based 90 day group. And why is that? Because that's the restore. I go with an elimination diet being that it's carnivore. And because part of the rest, I'm feeding that brain so much, sometimes for the first time, women suddenly don't feel anxious and depressed. Cortisol naturally can go down. They can finally just naturally sleep because the brain says, Oh God, I've been starving. It's been life or death for 10 years. I mean, you've been feeding me 1200 calories of rice. Like I'm starving. That's what that brain feels like. And so it's very trigger happy. It just can't stay stable. Absolutely. A brain that's on a high carb, low animal fat diet. And once you add the seed oils to fill that in, absolutely anxious depressed, reactive, angry, it's horrible. I, every vegan that comes to see me, you know what they all, every single one that has been into my practice, you wanna know what they come for? Anxiety, panic, depression, suicidal ideation. Wow. Not a single one comes to me for anything other than this. Mm. Always the same. So what is your success rate of getting them to add in some animal protein? Well, gosh, that really varies. I will tell you about two, three years ago, I made a decision. I will not accept a vegan for neurofeedback unless they're going to change your diet. Because I just felt guilty at that point. Like it's, Mm -hmm. I'm ripping you off. Like I can't change the structure and function of your brain. It's like, how can I build a house without the steel, the wood, the cement? Nails. And you're not eating the stuff. And, and, or... I have to, you have to have $800 a month of supplements. Like it's just insane. So I just saw the neurofeedback, not really, it's just it's going to take three times as many sessions. So somebody, I would say your, your care plan is going to be 40 sessions. This is how long it's going to take with them. I'm like, I'm gonna let you know right now, it's going to take 80 to 120. If I'm lucky. Like, but how can I, I can't keep exercising a brain to do something and there's no omega threes in it. There's no saturated fat, but your cholesterol is at 110. There's nothing there to make anything. You know what I mean? Like, and, and after not, they were my worst outcomes unless I could make it happen. So I just started saying I'm not doing it now. I will do yeah. consults for them. I'll read some labs. I'll try to encourage. And if I've got to just. I'm like, you're going to have to take an essential amino acid supplement a lot. They're all under protein. They're all need, you know, methylated B vitamins. They all need iron. I mean, they all have digestive problems. So I feel kind of bad after a while, like I'm recommending five times as many supplements to just patch up all the holes and damage and either deficiency or damage that all of that is causing. And it just doesn't feel good to me. It's not rewarding. So in general, I don't want to do that anymore. Just like I don't get patients that I am trying to convince not to take Tylenol for a headache. They already know that's why they're there with me. I, I don't, don't waste my time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, when you, when your patient population for so long was basically half to practice is autism. Well, you wanna talk about an educated warrior. You get a holistic autism mom. That lady has a PhD, in everything <laughs> around this. I guarantee you, mm-hmm. she knows more than I many. agree. A pediatrician yep. about what's going on and what to do. So they don't play. They come in, we've been on the GAPS diet for four years. Oh, this is they got all their homeopathics. They've seen, you know, they, they, they don't play. They know what's up, right? It's very rare I have to talk one of those into, oh, okay, you don't know about gluten and soy and casing yet. No problem. You're going to buy a crock pot and we're gonna start changing things. But by the time they're there, they're gonna do whatever I say, right? But in general, I'm very blessed to have them. Like my market is more who I want is a highly educated, kind of already playing with it. They've been paleo a while, but now their results are not starting to tweak. They've been keto, but it's up or down. And you know, like they already live in that space. Um, and it was a tough decision to make a few years ago. So the parents would be like, so here's the yeah. thing, she been vegan for a year. She doesn't see that the depression is really like, cause she wasn't suicidal before, now she is. Mm-hmm. So they use me to try and work that magic. And, and in general, um, I'm pretty successful because of my 14 year history as a vegetarian, 12 as a vegan, they're kind of like, okay. And once I admit how bad I felt, which, All vegans lie, I did it. We all lie about it. We're all lying about how we actually feel because once we all cross into the dark side of eating meat again, we all sit around and go, don't you just feel so much better? (laughs) It's like a dirty secret. And I don't want it to be a dirty secret anymore because this scam that is pushing it on everybody so hard right now, I I feel like it's a, uh, at this point, It's a concerted conspiracy to weaken the human system, to- I was gonna go there. I was gonna go there. To destroy the brains of our youth, to to riddle them with anxiety, depression, and cognitive impairment, to riddle them with learning disorders, put them on more drugs, to make them have no muscle. The fact that I can out push up almost every 15 year old boy that came into my office, I was like, do y'all not do anything in gym anymore? I don't understand. I mean, we used to, boys used to want to be jacked. Now it's like, everybody wants to look like an emaciated meth head. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. The destruction of, um, you know, the feminization of boys. I'm Mm -hmm. the mother of a boy and I have been watching it happen. And I'm like a big feminist, again, big old liberal Democrat progressive for a long time. And I'm the the gay, I'm a lesbian. So you would think, I mean, so I'm very been playing in this field a long time, Uh becoming a mother of a boy and watching what is the destruction of like, what it means to be a masculine, to be a boy, to be a a man. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm actually raising, he's gonna be a man. So let's talk about this and let me make sure he's a mentally stable, strong, of strong brain, strong mind and strong body. So he can responsibly react to all of the situations around him, if my son can't run into into my house, throw me over his back and carry me out, I'm not tolerating that. I'm like I've told you, your job, your my job now. I told him, my job is to protect you now, because I'm bigger and stronger than you. One day, those tables will turn. You are going to be a bigger, stronger man than people who are smaller, weaker than you. That will be me one day. You better be strong enough and capable enough to defend and protect those people who cannot defend and protect themselves. That's your social responsibility, as far as I'm concerned. That's the kind of man I'm raising you to be. You better get on it. That's why you exercise. That's why you eat well. That's why you get strong. I got goosey. So I love that. Yeah. That is that is amazing. amazing. I'm over this acting like we're the same. We're not. He's going to have 30% more muscle mass than me. He's going to have testosterone jacked. That's the reality, right? His Pelvic size is not the same. He's going to run stronger, faster than me. He's going to be stronger than me. He's going to be able to throw a spear or a knife stronger than me. Luckily, my kid is super into survival stuff. And he said to me a few years ago, his mom, I, I know you think it's crazy. He's got survival bags. I, was like, I don't think it's crazy at all, punk. And I think spirit brought you to me for a reason. And I'm listening. <laughs> I need to get food for the house, right? Or whatever. He goes, yeah. He goes, I just want to be the kind of man that can go. can have one survival bag on the back on my back go into the woods for a year and survive i was like wow okay that's my son that's my son i'm like that's like a country i was and here's the thing he's got like two city yankee parents we don't know anything about any of this stuff i got nothing i'm like pumpkin. we don't like the nra we don't i don't that's not what we do that's not my people now i'm at gun ranges (laughs) you know like i'm like He goes to knife throwing classes. I'm like, okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh yeah. And so I found like this guy, he does this Native American, he's done all this primal Native American. He can make backpacks out of leather. He can sew, he can make moccasins. He can throw a knife. So our next phase, we'll be hunting. And he said, you know, and he was really nervous Asked me. He's like, I feel like I know how you're going to say. I was like, what do you mean? he goes, I want to learn to hunt. And And he was expecting me to be like, no, you can't. And I was like, I understand. I said, I actually really respect it, Bennett. I said, uh, I'll make that happen. I said, I need you to be able to listen really well. You've got to be so compliant. You know, he's got some argumentative issues. I said, you cannot be with someone with either a bow and arrow or a gun and not be super careful, super obedient. You know what I mean? Like, and we were in a family, like my country friends where they're like, yo, at five, they got a gun and they're out hunting. You know what I mean? I'm like, yep. your man and I don't know anything about it. We're going to have to hire people to help. So I've been learning what my son is into to get better at it, um, to help him and honor what he is divinely drawn to do. He's a primal country boy that is bringing me back to the principles of nature. That I'm like, okay, you were, you were nice. gifted to me for a reason. And I no longer look at those things as weapons that way. It's a, t- my, it's a tool. That's how we look. And so I bought him this first knife and was engraved. And it was like a few years ago for Christmas, my mom was kind of like, I said, I said, mommy, it's not a weapon, it's a tool. There's a lot to be said. It was actually a Dave Asprey podcast. I listened to about him carrying a a straight knife and a pocket knife and what it made him feel like as a man. And it made so much sense to me because men are so disconnected from their primal way of what they were there to do. Like you're supposed to like, can I swear? Sure. Like they're supposed to carry heavy shit and kill stuff. And I'm supposed to be like running the village, like a boss. Like and, and so I don't say it to be insulting. I joke, my ex-husband always carries our bags when we do stuff. We travel and people say, like, Oh, isn't that nice? I'm like, No, it's his job. Like, well, it's like he's a man. He's supposed to be carrying all my shit. I'm with you, girl. I'm with he's you. He's stronger than me. I'm taking care I'm of the baby. You. I mean, that's he can't do cook, what I'm doing. Cook, yeah. Yeah, I'm the boss. I'm I'm making milk. I, I don't know what else you I'm making milk and taking a nap. I'll carry it. things and chop wood. That's your job. So I say that in jest as an extreme, of course I can do any of that too. I shoot guns at the range and I can go do whatever I want, but to act like we're, you know what I mean? So I'm looking at that whole thing. So yeah, the whole let's become a vegetarian, let's become a vegan. You're raising boys at estrogen, lowering their testosterone. You're making them completely confused, like hormonally as to what they're designed to be. They have no muscle mass. They have no strength. None of them can sleep. They all have anxiety disorders. They're all depressed because their brains are starving and they're not getting normal, uh, hormonal signals we're also making everybody so obese that by the time you're seven you're having leptin levels so high from the fat that the brain thinks oh it's time for puberty and we're having people at seven and eight years old go into full blown 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 puberty which shouldn't have happened until they were 13 or 14 because they're so obese because we've made them so overwhelming because we just you know coca-cola and brownies (laughs) i mean nowadays people give their kids starbucks for breakfast and i'm like when when the hell did that become a like a okay thing? I, I mean, it really was like I know. When, when did that become okay? I'm super confused because these people were raised the same era as me, and my mother. Ne- I mean, we all know that that's actually not breakfast, right? A brownie and a coffee. Yeah,
0: no, <laughs> people don't. I really, I really completely believe that. Oh wow, we ooh, 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 our time. Wow, well, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, but it's all good. I just okay. One more thing before we yeah. go. Um, you mentioned. Hunting, yeah. I'll tell you what. Okay, I come from a long line of the exact kind of men you're talking about. They're hunters, and I mean, guns, you name it. I've seen deer skin. I I've been around it all. I I never did it. it. I never did that. Okay, Um, I'm a huge animal lover. Okay. Believe it or not, but I'm a carnivore too. No, but, but I'm an animal lover and that, that hurts me, but I'm also kind of like you, The, the more I look at it, the more I'm like, how can I be okay saying I'm a carnivore eating meat, but yet look at hunting as something that I can't do. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, there is. I mean, there are people who like to and who, who don't, and th- and that's okay. Yeah. But I think it's kind of might be a good thing for me to maybe experience.
1: Yeah, so, I know it is for me.
0: So how about we make a bargain
1: that we will try to to do that? What do you say? I I actually yes. Here's the thing. Okay, the point I actually want to lead a group retreat for women, like a first timer hunter retreat. Ooh, I think I like that, that would be super cool. I have yeah. some female hunters, you know, that would be willing to like be with us and teach us. And, you know, maybe it need to, it would be nice. a five day retreat where we're kind of going over some basics and and who knows who might actually get the kill. But the more I study it and talk about it, when I talk with hunters and and I, and women in particular, because I really am interested in like that because that social construct is, is different than it's not as accepted. And they take a lot of hate on social media. When I've seen a few of them, I, I actually reached out to Maria, um, you know, Emmerich. Yeah. And I said, yes, I hunting. yeah, I said, I want to interview. I just want to actually do a perspective yes. on women hunters. Maybe we should do like a group thing. It, that could be a cool thing. You yeah, a that them. sounds good. Yeah, because yeah. They, when they talk, their spiritual connection to nature is insane. Yes. That's what really blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I was like, they don't talk about They're like, and they like make fun of us a little bit like, yeah, yeah, all you guys and you go and hiking and you're lemon to get connected to nature. That's not nature. you just, that's ridiculous. When I go out and I'm hunting and I, and they go, you know, we rarely get anything. It's more of if God finds it so to gift me with a deer that crosses yes. my path or, and you have to use skill and tracking and most of the women I know, none of them are tree hunters, they don't use tree. They don't use like, oh no, it's old school primal ways of doing it. And if I have the skill to get it and God wants to give it to me, then I've been blessed. They go, but in general, it's like, it's about being quiet. It's about being still. It's about observing and listening and they go, you're not nature hiking with a bunch of people with a, your headphones on listening to Drake. I'm connected to nature when I'm so still, I've blended in so deeply that a bird lands on me because it means <laughs> I'm a tree. I was yeah. like, that happens? And like, yeah, that's why we do it. I was like, oh, wow. So, and there is that, I've heard many talk about obviously that and the hopefully women all say too, they go, and my daddy raised me. Let me go, cause they're all country. <laughs> and if you kill it, you're doing all the cleaning. You you don't, <laughs> you don't, you yeah. don't do one part. You I forgot about that part. Right. So when my son, we were telling him and, she, and it was like, that's, I'm looking forward. To it, but let me be real. He's like, no, I know. I want to know it. It's like, I, I want to know the skill of how to prepare because that's the only way you're going to survive. And so what's mm-hmm. hitting me now, you know, Amber is how little skills I have. I'm like, I Me don't know too. how to make yarn. I don't know how to make shoes. I don't know how to sew. I don't know mm-hmm. how to hunt. I don't know how to can. I'm like, I don't actually know how to do a whole bunch of anything except be on the internet and make videos and read labs. That's, <laughs> not, that's not really going to help us in a crisis situation. No. So I'm increasing my skill set to be of usefulness that that's smart and I should do the
0: same so yeah I'm okay
1: a, well let's do it let's do it let's we make it we talk about it because I think yeah let's do thing thing and trying to coordinate it myself has been a little bit overwhelming but I've had that idea about a year ago and okay. we can really bring spiritual I would be bringing spirituality into it I think that's what women crave is understanding this is it's an act of communion with nature you know it's not about killing it's right. about receiving right. a gift really right absolutely yeah
0: well we are really long on time here but it was super fun cut stuff thank out. you cut me out <laughs> no i'm not cut it's all good i can't cut anything out so it's just gonna have to be long okay. but thank you so much for coming on stephanie i appreciate it very much and y'all go follow dr rimka i'll put all her stuff below and while you're here subscribe to my channel Do it right now. so anyway well thanks again stephanie thank it's you. been a lot of fun
1: Bye. Bye.